Hallelujah. Amen. If you would turn with me to the book of Job, chapter 31. Thank you, God. I was talking to Brother Michael yesterday. and I'm going to be visiting Sister Megan today. And she has had good reports and better days ever since we've started fasting and praying. Aren't we thankful for that? Miracle can't happen, and we believe the miracle will happen. Amen. Continue, if you would, fasting and prayer. Grab an hour a day. Seek God for her. Amen. If I was going through that, I'd love to have a church like this. Fasting and praying for me. How many believe God hears us? He really does. He And he has heard us. Praise God. In the book of Job chapter 31, reading with verse 6, just one verse today. Let me be weighed in. Everybody say weighed in. And even balance that God may know mine integrity. Job said, let me be weighed in an even balance. Not an uneven balance. Not out of balance or off balance, but an even balance. I like to preach today about an even balance. An even balance. God bless you. You may be seated. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, if you would turn there with me, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, reading with verse 15, Solomon in his writing says, All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. He said, I've seen good men die too soon, and I've seen bad men seem to live too long. He goes on, verse 16, and explains it. He says, be not righteous over much. That means don't be too righteous. Neither make thyself what? Over wise. Why shouldest thou destroy thyself? In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. I have seen everything in this meaningless life. If they could throw that up there. Including the death of good young people and the long life of wicked people. He said, so don't be too good or what? Too wise, over, out of balance, over good, over wise. He said, why destroy yourself? And it sounds like an oxymoron to look at Christians and say, don't be over-righteous. I mean, wouldn't you think that we're trying to strive to be as righteous as we can? But what it's talking about is trying to say that you can be so over-righteous you become self-righteous. You live in extremes as the Pharisees did. They created some 600 plus laws that weren't even biblical and because they wanted to be better than the other guy. It wasn't about living for God as much as it was outdoing their neighbor. 
And if we're not careful, we will build uh, lines for us or expectations for us that we cannot even fulfill ourselves. How many's ever set goals that weren't attainable? Let's just put it this way. How many's ever set goals that you never reached? How many's ever had goals set for you that you never reached? How did you feel? You know, the definition, the definition of disappointment is unmet expectations. So the higher the expectation is the same level that you're going to find in the opposite direction of disappointment. And if we're not careful, we will try to be so good that we get out of balance in life that we can't even fulfill it ourselves. I preached about a month ago about first steps, the pool of shalom. What you got to understand is God doesn't put expectations on us that we cannot meet. How many believe that? He said, I want to be weighed in an even scale, in an even balance, so God can see my integrity. And he said, as a wise man looking across the earth in all the days of his vanity, he said, I have seen good men die. And he said, I have seen people. He said, I have seen people that were wicked live longer than what you would expect. Why? Because even the wicked or the unrighteous man didn't live too extreme in what he was doing. You can hurt yourself getting out of balance. I'll give you an example. I've seen people come to the Lord before and I've watched them come to God. They become so passionate about their born again experience that they quit their job to become a soul winner. I'm going to win souls. I'm going to make a difference. I'm so excited. And guess what happens to the bills at their home? The bills start stocking up. And then they're discouraged. And they make statements like, well, the devil's been battling me. I've got bills I can't pay. Had nothing to do with the devil. Had everything to do that when you got saved, you quit your job. And the power's still burning. You're still hungry. And you've got to, how many know what I'm talking about today? And what you've got to understand, that everything that we do has to be attainable and it must be in an even balance. Just because you got saved doesn't mean you're so spiritual that you're never going to eat again. Oh, I got born again. Why did my car break down? Because it's a car. Oh, pastor, I just don't, the devil's been battling me. I, I, I was trying to go to church and got a flat tire. The devil is trying to keep me from the house of God. Now, that might be true at a certain level. And I don't know if the devil busted your tires as much as you maybe needed to change your tires 30,000 miles ago. It's the devil's fault. You know, it's, and if we're not careful, we will spiritualize everything that's just temporary. And we get out of balance and everything the devil's is, is blamed on the devil when the truth of the matter is she should have had some maintenance. And the car broke down. You had not changed your oil in 30,000 miles. It's the devil. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. You have to change your oil in your car and your tires and still fill up with gas just like the unbeliever. How many know that's the truth? Boy, the devil's battling me. The water line's busted in the house. Well, they weren't insulated and it got minus 10. It wasn't the devil. It's just life. 
And what happens is when things start going wrong in an immature Christian's life and you're coming trying to live for God and things are going wrong, you start getting mad at God. Why did you let the kids get sick? I'm living for you. Why, why, did, I, why did I lose the job? Because you didn't show up on time three times. But I was praying, Pastor. I was seeking God. You know, I just got I just I just got carried away in prayer and I was half an hour late. It's not God's fault that you didn't pray earlier. And we start blaming God for things going wrong when the truth of the matter is we get out of bounds. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are, you're gonna expect the favor of God to let you be tardy for work. I got the Holy Ghost. You know, I should have to turn in my homework at school. Why don't you have your homework? The devil's been fighting me. The devil's not fighting you. You just didn't study. And we get out of balance if we're not careful. Job makes a statement at a key moment in his writings. But he says, I want to be weighed in an even scale. I want God to look out of heaven and see me using common sense and understanding that time affects me the way it does my neighbor that might be somebody down the road or somebody across the community that's not living for God. That you know what? Yes, I'm in the church, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna get, I won't get sick. I'm not gonna get crow's feet. Why is your skin so smooth? I've been born again. Boy, wouldn't that be terrible? You look across the aisle, your neighbor, they're a sinner. They've got crow's feet. He's losing his hair. What did he do wrong? He didn't do anything wrong. He just born in that family. And it was passed down, glory to God. What I'm preaching to you is practical Christianity. You don't have to pray about whether I'm gonna go to church on Sunday. You don't have to pray about, am I supposed to pray today? It's really not that complicated to try to find out the will of God, whether you're supposed to spend time in his word that day. The Bible says, daily will I seek him. How many know the scripture says, assemble yourselves together and do more so as the hour approacheth. Quit spiritualizing everything you're supposed to do as a Christian. It's the will of God for us to pray. It's the will of God for us to go to church. It's the will of God for us to be disciplined. It's the will of God for us not to cuss. Well, you know, that's just, you know, it's just how we are in our family. Stop it. Well, that's just how I grew up. That's where I come from. Christians don't use cuss words. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about that. Let no evil communication come out of your mouth. That's right. You don't gossip. You don't talk about your neighbor. You don't, you don't downgrade people. You don't throw off of a handle and, and punch holes in the wall. That might be what you did before you were born again. I'm just passionate. No, you're not. You're out of control. You got to get your flesh under control. Man, I feel like preaching right now. Disciple and discipline sound a whole lot alike. And there's got to be a moment that you learn to tell yourself no. Well, I can repent later. Don't, don't do that. It's one thing to slip up. It's another thing just to let go. You gotta hold yourself together and say, I am a representative of Jesus Christ. I am a child of the King. His royal blood's flowing through my veins. I don't have to act how I used to live. I don't have to be how I used to be. 
Come on, I'm stepping on your toes right now, but I'm telling you, I want him to see me in an even balance and an even scale and find that I am controlled even though I am earthly. I am controlled even though I am spiritual. You know what the Bible says? When you get born again, you're never going to be mad. you know that's in there? It's not in there. If it was, it'd be right next to the verse that says cleanliness is next to godliness. That's right next to the verse that says you won't be able to tell the seasons apart. That one's not in there either. The Bible says until the end there's going to be winter and summer and sowing and reaping. How many know that's biblical? We get people making up stuff. What you got to understand is you need to learn to be practical in your Christianity. I've watched young Christians, and I'm not talking about age, I'm talking about new, suffer because of expectations. False expectations. You can live a godly life in peace, financially blessed. Jesus even made a statement. He said, the children of of the world are wiser than the children of the light. What was he saying? He's talking about being merciful and gracious and talking about being balanced and understanding business. And sometimes I've seen Christians that didn't understand how to live though they were born again. Just because you speak in tongues does not make you wise. Just because you repented does not make you wise. Just because you were baptized in Jesus' name does not make you wise. When you come out of the tank in Jesus' name, you don't come out with a brand new check in the bank and, a, and, a, and, a, and all your bills are going to be covered. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, you're talking about mega church in Zanesville. Well, you come and get born again, no taxes, no bills, no sickness, no problems. Come on. I'm going to that church. It didn't work that way. Paul said, when I would do good, evil's present with me. I've got to have a yes when the devil's telling me no, and I've got to have a no when the devil's trying to get me to do something else. Come on, there's got to be some self-discipline that says, not my will, but thy will be done. I want to be, I want to be found in an even scale, an even balance, an even balance. We're learning this as we get older. It's not all spiritual. Very Practical living for God. What are you going to do when you're, Jesus said, now let's talk about a few extreme situations. He said, I didn't come to bring your family together. Matter of fact, I come to bring a sword to separate father and mother and, 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 and children and brother. He said, I come to draw a sword. It doesn't mean he come to get you divorced and to separate you from family. What he's saying is, you better choose him over your family. If your wife says, I'm not going to live for God. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to live according to that. I still want to go to the bars. I want to do this. I want to do what we've always done. I want to live the the life we've lived. And she said, you have to choose Jesus or me. He said, choose Jesus. If the parents say, I'm sorry, but if you're you're going to follow, you're going to, what you feel is this, is is this relationship with God. If that's what you want, you've got to go. He said, Go. He said, because never is family more important than eternity. I'm going to tell every young person, young adult in this room, you listen to this preacher. If your friend says, well, I, I, I'm not going to live that way. And, and you know, if you're going to go down there and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna quit doing this, then, then you're rejecting me. Say, I'm not rejecting you. I'm rejecting me. I'm denying myself. I want to be lifelong friends. But if you can't hang out with me being right with God, I'm sorry. It's, it's an ended relationship. 
Why? Because eternity is much more valuable than temporary. And that's what he's trying to tell us. You better set your heart on things above and quit putting your heart on things here. If you're going to lean on the scale, you better lean to eternal decisions than a life short of temporary decisions. I'm preaching to somebody. If you got to go, then you got to go. But I choose Jesus. I choose eternity. I choose heaven. They're going to mock me. They're going to reject me. The Bible says that Jesus was despised and rejected of men. If you've never been rejected, you might not have ever tried. Rejection goes with Christianity. Even Samuel in the Old Testament, he said, God, they rejected me. He said, they didn't reject you. They rejected me. Just because they don't accept you. You need to quit taking it personal. We've got to choose God over anybody. The Bible says let God be true and every man a liar. I'm preaching to some people in here right now that you're on the balance. You're on the scale. You're on the edge. You're leaning. You're leaning. Your, your heart really is leaning to the Lord. But something in you is pulling you, trying to pull you away from the things of God. I come to tell you, don't you teeter-totter out of the church. Don't teeter-totter away from the Lord. You stand for God and say, I'm going to let him fix everything else in my world. Brother Nehemiah, when I got saved, I had to choose friends. And I had to say no to places. I had to say no to conversations. I had to say no to entertainment. I had to say no to certain music. Come on, that's right. I was saying no, not because in some areas did I not desire that. It was, that was a part of me. But I said no because I wanted to be right with God instead of right with men. But there's a powerful thing that when you become on an even balance that you will find favor not only with God but you will also begin to find favor with men. See, when you're transitioning into Christianity, when you're born again, people don't understand you. Read First Peter. He said they mock you. He said they say you're going to come back to the life that you used to live with, with drunkenness and, 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 and partying, sort of, so to speak, a life. And so they're watching you when you say, I'm born again. I'm, I'm now going down the anchor church. I've given my life to God. I've been baptized. I've been filled with the Spirit. And so people are waiting on you to see if it's really you or it's just a moment. One of my buddies, he came to the Lord and his mom said, oh, everybody just has a little Christian moment. You know what? I don't believe that. We believe in transformation. But you've got to understand how to live in his grace. And they start mocking you and they make fun of, what do you mean? You're not going to wear that anymore. You're not going to go there anymore. You're not going to do that anymore. I mean, that's what we do when we get together. You, you drink together and you smoke together and you celebrate with cigars. I don't do that anymore. Well, you, you think there's something wrong with me? I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I feel a relationship with God. Some things I just don't do. Anymore. Why well, you, you you condemning me? I'm not condemning you. I'm trying to please him. And for me not to go where you go, let's meet at a mutual place. You don't cut all your friends off and your family. I ain't coming to your house anymore. I mean, you've known them for 30 years and they smoke and get alcohol in the refrigerator and that. You, you're too holy now to go to their house. You see how the scale's tilted? Now you're over-righteous. Now you're over-spiritual. I can't come to your house because you drink. You've just rejected the whole family. 
What I'm saying is you don't stop going to the house and having family because now you're spiritual and now you're righteous. What do you do? You just don't participate. And you can have limitations on where you do. They offer it? No. You find yourself tempted to leave. But what you don't do, it gets so out of balance that you disconnect from everybody in your world. How can you change your world, change your family, your friends, if you're holier than everybody? You need to quit doing this. I've seen people come in, get saved, give their life to God, watch them get born again. Next thing they know, they're telling everybody they're going to hell. Never win anybody. Why? You're going to hell. I know a guy could never win a soul. He walked into a, he worked at a coal mine. He was a guard of the job. The guy walked in. He said, hey man, I got a hot date tonight. He said, you're going straight to hell. <laughs> you know that guy never came to church. I said, what did you do that for? He said, I don't want his blood to be on my hands. I said, stop it. He knows he's lost. You don't got to tell him. But man, you can sure live a life that he would want to participate in. You're the salt and the light. You don't have to tell them they're lost. Just start living a life that's better than they're living. You can show up with joy. You go through trials. You still got a smile on your face. Things are tough, but you're, you're still going to church. You went through that, and you're still lifting your hand. Yeah, he's good to me. I look over my life. He's never done me anything but good. I know I've got sickness in my body, but God's good to me. Balanced Christianity. It's balancing Christianity. And what I'm talking about is a confidence that says, I don't have to have perfection in my life to be right with God. I don't have to have the house paid for and a perfectly running good car. I don't have to have perfect health in me and all the kids for me to worship God. It's temporary. Come on, you drive the car long enough, it's going to break down. Build a brand new house. It won't be long, something leaks. Starts rusting. And that's what he was talking about. Don't get so caught up with the treasures of this world where the rust does corrupt and the moth does corrupt and the thief can break through and steal it. Back in the day they invested before, what was it? Back in the 1930s, depression hit. People lost all their investments. People were jumping out of windows because they lost all their money and all their investments when depression hit and the stock market crashed, they went to one man. They said, you lost everything. He said, it's just paper. All that money, it's just paper. But if we're not careful, we'll get so caught up in what we have and forget about where we're going. Come on, quit comparing yourself to your neighbor. David, in a moment, man, I feel like preaching here today. David, in a moment of discouraging, things were going wrong. How many's ever been discouraged? How many's ever, as a believer, you've been discouraged? You're living for God. You're paying your tithes. Water lines are breaking. Cars breaking down. You're faithful to God. You're giving them missions. You're sacrificially giving. You're giving up food and giving up the missions. And you do this and something goes wrong. And David said, and I look over and I see the prosperity of the wicked. And they've got this and they've got that. He said, it bothered me. Then he uses the word T-I-L, till I came into the sanctuary. 
He said, when I got into the presence of God and I considered therein, what I realized, that's the only heaven they'll ever have. But I've got a mansion for eternity. I've got something on the other side that tips the scales of material value. It's called eternal life. I'm preaching to somebody, will you walk away when it goes bad or will you keep on standing when it goes bad? I'm preaching to you today, if it doesn't go your way, will you still lift your hands in the sanctuary or you just give up and say there is no God? No, I've got a scale of confidence. He's good when it's not good. He's great when it's not the way I think it's gonna be. You know why? Because he's God and he's on the throne and I'm gonna praise him all of my days. Amen. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Rejoice in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice when you've done all to stand. Stand therefore. Amen. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. If everything's going bad, if I get a bad doctor's report, if things break down, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. That is confidence. That is an even scale. I will lift up my voice and praise him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. It can be going bad, but God's still good. Job was building altars of sacrifice. Job was praying for his children in the mornings. When he gets the report that all 10 children died, everything went wrong. The devil said, watch this, God. Nobody can go through this and love you. The devil sits back in the bushes and he's waiting on Job he hears the report that all the wind is blown, the house has fallen, all ten children were killed in the storm. When Job hears the report, he falls to his knees. He said, naked I came in this world, and naked I leave this world, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And they all said, what? No way. No believer can go through that and still honor God. He shows back up at heaven. He looks the Lord in the face. Shows up with the sons of sons of men. Excuse me, the sons of God. He shows up. And the devil said, and God said to the devil, Hey devil, have you considered my servant Job? <laughs> yeah, well, took his stuff, took his, his camel and his oxen and his sheep. But touch his body. Took his family. But touch his body. He'll curse you your face. He said, oh, not Job. See, you've seen what Job has, but you don't know who Job is. You know what I think? I think the devil can see what you have, but he doesn't know who you really are. He thinks you're going to quit. He thought he would curse God's face. But see, the Lord doesn't care about what you have because he knows who you are. 
For the Lord, man, the Lord doesn't see like man sees. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. And when the devil challenged God, he knew Job could go through it because the devil can only see out here. I don't believe the devil can even read the mind. Uh, I believe that's why speaking in tongues is very, very powerful. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than y'all. Go study it, 1 Corinthians 14. Look at it. He said, forbid not to speak in tongues. Why, why, why is that? You know, Mary the mother of Jesus Paul the Apostle, Simon Peter, James and John, all of them spoke with other tongues. Jesus said in Luke 24, uh, 47, uh, 48, 49, he talks about uh, praying and, and do with power from on high. That, and and uh, watch this, it's powerful. Mark 16, 17, it says, These signs shall follow them that believe, and my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Acts 2, 4, when they receive the Holy Ghost, they begin to speak with tongues as the spirit gave them the ability what's so powerful about prayer and if you've never experienced it you need to it's the most amazing experience I was eight years old my daughter was four Lakin was four didn't she sing powerful today I'm so I'm so proud of her I'm so proud of her I really am my children, all of my children have received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues you know what's so amazing about speaking in tongues the devil has no clue what you're saying you begin to speak the wonderful works of God. It's like having a direct line to the throne of God. The Bible said that your spirit begins to make intercession for your soul. And the devil steps back and you're having a conversation with God in a language that he doesn't understand that's tailored between you and God. And you're telling the Lord what you really need in your life spiritually and things that you don't even know that you need. Your spirit is praying. And the devil sits over here in confusion because you've got a direct line to God and he's upset about it. Come on, I talk to God. I'm the and, and here it is, a balance. The Bible says pray in the spirit and pray with understanding also. That's what it's talking about. Pray in tongues, but pray with understanding also. 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 3. It says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to man, but to God. And when I'm praying, there's time to speak in tongues, but there's time to pray in English too. Some people only come to the altar and that's, you, you don't hear them praying in English. I'm going to tell you, you need to pray in English too. I, you got to have an even scale where I'm just saying, God, I need you today. My wife, my children, Zangel needs you, God. The saints need you. God, I need help today. It's okay to pray that way. But it's okay to pray in the spirit also. Let's get back to the story. Job doesn't know what he's thinking until he speaks it. The devil doesn't know what Job's thinking until he speaks it. He's confused about you, so he lies in wait, waiting on you to get out of balance. If you get too righteous, he's going to try to get you so righteous that you can't even live up to it until you give up and quit. If he can, he's going to get the balance to go the other way until you're so liberal in the way that you're thinking that God just forgives anything that you fall back into your old ways and old sins and old friends. So he's constantly trying to teeter-totter your walk with God because he doesn't know what's on the inside. Only God knows what's on the inside. That's why you need to go to church and hear the preacher because the preacher can preach stuff that's on the inside out and the stuff that's on the outside, he can get it back in. Come on, I'm preaching right now. I feel the Lord in this room. When I come to tell you, you got to get that bad stuff out and you need to get the good stuff in. That's why when you repent, say, God, I didn't know I was a sinner, but Lord, I'm pouring all that sin out before you today. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live that way. Come on, sin ain't ever satisfied anybody very long. Ends up coming with judgment, bondage. Come on, trial and trouble. But I come to tell you, you can lay it all down at the altar today and you can resurrect a righteous man before God to live holy and pure before the Lord.
We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. But his grace has been stronger than my failure. His mercy's been greater than my mistakes. You believe it? Shout amen. The devil's confused. Look at your neighbor and say, the devil's confused about you. What's amazing, he watches your path and your pattern. So he knows the insecurity. He knows your past. So that's the only thing. He really doesn't know your future. I know a guy one time. All of the kids went to the tarot card reader with mom, except him. He just gave his life to God. Born again. Washed in the blood. Went to the tarot card. Y'all stay away from 900 psychics, horoscopes, and palm readers. Don't you let the devil tell you your future. Get you all confused. There's only one that knows my future. And my future's in his hand. Hey, my brother used to sing a song, Vicky and Henry. It said, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. How many believe that? She went, she took her kids. She had four kids, took three of them to the palm reader because she was concerned about her kids. She was a believer, but hadn't been going to church. She got fear in her life. and It's amazing. Fear will always lead you to the devil. That's the bait. That pulls you away from that which God has called you to. Only place in Scripture, it's David, isn't it? Only place in Scripture, Ronnie, where the Bible says there's no faith is when he said, why are you fearful? And without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's why you don't watch horror movies at Halloween. You open your home up to spirit of fear, which always pushes out faith. Letting Hollywood dictate your emotions. Do you hear me? Quit letting Hollywood dictate your emotions. Why do you want an unbeliever preaching to you about what's more and what's not? It's the tipping of the scale that goes you takes you from righteous to unrighteous. Two-hour prayer meeting with God can be destroyed in 30 minutes of TV. Putting in fear. Because fear, everybody shout fear, fear. is always followed by deception. Well, that's just what we do. Quit it. Stop. You don't have to. That's your house. Well, that's just classics. Throw them in the trash. I paid $25 for them. Who cares? Clean out your house and get the balance right. See, sometimes people aren't praying that are Christians not because, not because they don't love God. It's because of what they put in their home. I, I know I'm sounding like I'm meddling, but I know exactly what I'm preaching about right now. And if he can instill fear, he's confused about you, so he has tactics and fishing and the way he tries to lure you away from God. Every day you get up, he's trying to pull you away. He's confused when you keep, Job, what? How in the world is he praising God? No way! 
He didn't know what was on the inside, but God said, He loves me. God knows who you are. See, the devil throws out a little bit of bait to see if you'll respond. Then he tries to learn your character until he can lure you away. That's what he's saying. Don't be over-righteous and don't be too wicked. He said, you have to be careful because the devil's trying to pull you off the scales of an even balance. I've seen good men get too righteous and backslide. And I've seen them get too liberal and fail. But what I'm preaching to you today, God said, I have a people that no matter what goes wrong, on the even scale, God can see the integrity of the heart. Let me touch his flesh. Some believe it was cancer on the body. I'm not sure, but I know he had boils on the body that he would take broken pieces, broken pieces of pottery, scrape the infection out of the wound in pain and agony. The devil's watching. His wife goes and says to him, Job! You have to understand she's real, right? Let's not condemn Job's wife. She's just real. How much can you take? She and her husband go through this. She's lost 10 kids as well. They're financially bankrupt right now. All three businesses they own are gone. Now her husband is sick and dying. He's in pain, his agony. He is scraping, he's moaning. His friends come up and said, you must have sinned. Job, they, read, read their letter. Well, don't read them. They, that, they're just discouraging. Job, you've sinned. And they turn their back on because nobody can go through this unless they got sin in their life. Isn't that what we do when things go wrong? The blind man shows up to pull us alone and the disciple says, who sinned, him or his parents? He said, neither, just life. For the glory of God, this is going to be healed. My, my, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. How many feel what I'm preaching right now? They come up to him. You got to do something. You got sin in your heart. You got something in there. Nothing like this go wrong. And all three friends walk away. Friends are gone. Job's wife, because she can't stand it anymore. She's hurt. She's tired of seeing him suffer. She, comes. she said, Job, just curse God and die. Somewhere in their life, she let the scale slip. She got so focused on everything going wrong, she forgot how could God allow this. Just curse God and die. He looks up at her in the pain and agony of what he's dealing with, and he said, you speak like a foolish woman. For God has never done me anything but good. The devil has a headache. No way. No way. In the world, somebody can be that faithful to God. The devil, there's one thing you forgot. God knows him. And God will never let you go through something that he doesn't believe you can come out of it on victory on top with and I'm preaching right now, you're coming out in victory. Come on, the devil's been lying to you, telling you that God didn't care about you, but God knows you're coming out in victory. For in the even scale, he has seen the integrity of your heart. The Bible says he never cursed God or sinned with his mouth. I think you ought to jump to your feet and clap your hands and say, God is good. Come here, Brother Shad Holly. Come down here with Pastor. I want you to preach for us real soon. Uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a date. That is a powerful preacher. 
powerful evangelist that's, that attends here. Many of you know him, many of you don't because he's limited. They live out of town and he's got two boys. You're coming out in victory. You're going to come out in victory. The hand of the Lord has never been removed from your life or your wife or your boys. Sometimes it's life, Brother Shad. But the hand of the Lord is upon your boys, upon Noah and Eli. His hand's upon them. Don't question it. Don't doubt it. It's been a trial, but you're coming out in victory. Come on, somebody rejoice with me. You just... on there's victory God has weighed me in on an even scale he's not expected too much that I can't live for him with amen how many believe God places you on an even scale somebody shout amen. amen I want you to look at your neighbor and say you can do this you can live for God devil's so confused right now he never dreamt he never dreamt You'd make it back, Brother Jeremy. You proved to the devil he was a liar. You did. What he said was going to happen never. Stay up here, Brother Shad. What he said was going to happen never happened. Look at you with holiness in your life. Brother Nehemiah, Brother Tommy, lay hands on Brother Jeremy. Commit your way to the Lord. He's going to keep directing your path. Go ahead. An even scale. A balance scale. Go ahead, Bub. Let the Spirit of the Lord empower you. It's an even scale. Hallelujah. Do we have a Bible quizzer in here? Seth? Come up here and quote Psalms 5.3. How many feel the Lord here today? Hallelujah. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. In the morning, O Lord, will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Quote it again. Say it a little louder. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. One more time. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Hold up here. Hold the microphone. We're going to make a long-winded preacher out of you. Hey. You know why? Because the devil doesn't know my t today. I'll start in the morning because God knows my day. I'll look up to him because he's the only one that knows what I'm going to go through. So I will start my week with Sunday. And devil, you're not keeping me out of the house of God. And I will start my morning with prayer because devil, you're not going to keep me from the throne of God to get the victory in the direction I need for my today. 
Look at your neighbor and say, quit sleeping in and get up and pray. If you're going to commit to morning prayer, I want you to come. Seniors, everybody. You're going to commit to some morning prayer. I want you to come. I'm not going to put a limit on it. I want you to, you can commit to morning prayer. I want you to come. An even scale. The sharp, when you came to the Lord, you still have to cut grass. Yeah. Did the dishes get dirty? Yeah. Did you still have to take a shower? See, some of you are so holy, you can't take a shower because the water parts, just like Moses. Can't even take a shower. I'm so holy. It just Get in a bathtub, it just goes. Doesn't work that way. If you don't shower, you're going to stink. Temporary versus eternal. Come on, this is people committing to morning prayer. I don't have to ask God whether it's right for me to start my day with prayer. Because seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I'm preaching to this church. If you'll put him first, he's going to direct your path. Some things we go through and we don't know why. Mark Morgan was at a funeral. Bishop Mark Morgan was at a funeral. Powerful preacher. He said a loved one had passed away. He said, I watched these, this family at the funeral lift their hands and worship God. And he thought to himself, looking at that, how can they rejoice with such a tragedy? And the Lord said to him, because I have given them the grace to go through it. God will never allow something in your life that He doesn't give you the grace to go through it. His ways, say it with me, are above our ways and His thoughts are above our thoughts. Do you believe that? Today we are committing to putting God first and living on an even scale. Somebody shout even scale. Work the job and be holy. Love your family. Just don't participate with what you used to do. My God, I feel this. Lift your hands and tell the Lord, I want to be found on an even scale. Come on, I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to balance Christianity with wisdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, love him. Love him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He said in Ecclesiastes 7, 17, On the other hand, don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? Verse 18 in New Living Translation says, Pay attention to these instructions. For anyone who fears God will avoid both extremes. Meaning sin and too righteous. Everybody take your arm and balance the scale. 
How many want to be balanced in your walk with God? You're going to work hard. You don't work, you're not going to eat. Christianity doesn't remove us from working hard. How many know that? You can be holy and not spiritual. Went on a hunting trip with Sawyer this week. Happened to kill an elk, by the way. Just saying. We were holy. I can't say we were spiritual the whole week. We just been, been boys. What I'm saying to you, there's never a moment though that you shouldn't be holy. I don't change who I am on vacation. Well, you see on Sunday, I'm the same Monday. You can ask my wife. I don't change because I want to be righteous with God. He said, those that are righteous, those that fear God, everybody shout, fear God, will avoid both extremes. Everybody shout, balanced. Put God first and it will balance your life. Everybody shout, it will balance my emotion. I don't know why I'm telling this story, but I'm going to tell it and we're going to pray. Her name was Teresa Gibson. Grew up in this church. Teresa, at a young age, became rebellious, walked away from God, ended up in a life of drug addiction. Her parents were very strong here, Larry and Pat Evans. And uh, I remember when she came back to the Lord, she was sitting in the church. She had the heart, a very weak heart. She was on the transplant list. I remember one night we prayed and God healed her. She went back to the doctor. And he said, Teresa, what's happened to you? She couldn't even run a vacuum cleaner, nothing. That's how weak she was at 35 years old. Brother Sharp, I watched her fall out in the spirit right there. God healed her. I was new here at the church. Just God moment. She told me next week. She said, went to the doctor. The doctor said, hey, Teresa, why don't you start walking them out? She said, I can't even run a vacuum cleaner. He said, that's a new heart that God's given you. God gave her mercy. Somebody showed up in her world, and as soon as they did, they put that crack cocaine right under her nose in a place she probably shouldn't have been. And out of pressure from someone she loved, she partook of something of her past. You know what happened? Heart went back to the same condition. I'm telling somebody today, don't go back. Once God delivers you of that addiction, don't you dare defile your temple with that. Don't cast your pearl before the swine. Amen. And if you can't go be around them, and not participate, then don't go around. How many know that's, that's wisdom? That's wisdom. Don't let peer pressure or family pressure cause you to fail God. The Bible says, He that looketh back is not worthy of the kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say, Protect eternity. If I'm going to lean one way, throw it up here for me. It's going to be eternal versus temporal. Did you hear me? Went and prayed with Teresa. They had X's on her arms where they were trying to find a pulse. And she was, it was so low they could not even get a read on her pulse. I stood beside her. Teresa wanted to do right. She did. But she couldn't be in certain circles and do right. 
Some of you can't do right in certain circles. It's your kryptonite. I feel. <laughs> don't lose your soul. I'm telling somebody here today, don't lose your soul. It's not worth the soul. But I feel guilty. It's not worth the soul. Override your guilt and stand for eternity. I stood by her when they couldn't find a pulse. They did every, every neurological test. They said she's brain dead. They said she's done. It's over. She's only living on the machine. I stood beside Keith and Tabby, her children, as they unplugged her from, from the machine. Thank God mom and daddy had been praying because they said everything would just slowly go down to nothing. There won't be any breath. Her chest will stop. It'll just, she'll be gone. And probably five to ten minutes, Randy Tay, I was there. I don't remember anybody else there except maybe Pastor Ferris. Five to ten minutes, her eyes opened and she threw her hands in the air and started repenting and calling on God. That's the truth. That's the truth. God resurrected her because his mercy is everlasting. And I'm telling somebody, if you fail, don't quit. You fall trying, but don't quit. Fall trying. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, if you're going to fall, you fall forward. Brother Cody, I'll never forget. This is why she started singing from the intensive care unit and she looked at her children she started saying I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by I'll claim his promise he will supply we'll walk together the Lord and I I'll stand for Jesus and let the world go by she said, I have decided to follow Jesus. She pulled her respirator off and looked at Keith and Tabby and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. Then she said with a call, well, the last thing I remember her saying, she looked at her kids, she said, you can take this whole world, but give me Jesus because on the scale... What the world has to offer, what God has to offer, is no comparison. There's nothing out there except heartache and a broken heart, a dead end road. Come on, an empty emotion, a numb mind, bondage. How many know in Him there's freedom and there's joy and there's peace? I'm preaching for somebody. Don't walk out of here after I preach this sermon and reject God. But I've sinned. I already told you in the beginning of the service. The devil lied to you. You're here. And God's going to let you win. Lift your hands all over the building. Come. Come. Don't leave this building. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what's around the corner. But you don't want to leave eternity. You don't want to step into eternity. On a temporary lean scale. A temporal. Come on. Don't lean toward the wicked. Lean toward the righteous. Come on. That's it. Today I repent. Today I repent. <laughs> oh.
today I seek God. Today I renew my walk with the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Brother Sister Shook, lift your hands. The Lord heard your prayer. In the name of Jesus, God heard your prayer. Is there anybody here today that says, I want to follow Jesus? Come on, if you want to follow Jesus, wave your hand. You want to follow the Lord. I tell you, it's the best decision you will ever make. Don't let the devil pull you off the, off the slide. No, I'm going to follow the Lord. Who am I reaching for today? I'm telling you, you don't know what's around the corner. You don't know what's going to happen to you when you leave the parking lot. I feel so strong as your pastor, your shepherd to tell you, don't leave wrong. Don't leave on the wicked side of the scale. Leave with an even balance of being right with God and His integrity of your heart is seen before the Lord. I want everybody in this room, I want you to bow your heads and repent. Everybody that would. I feel an urgency, but I feel more mercy than I do any judgment. Oh, God, forgive us. Oh, God, forgive us. We're sorry for, Lord, anything we've done or said, decisions we've made. Come on, I've come to tell you, God loves you. Tell the Lord, I love you, God, and I need you. You wouldn't have come today if you didn't believe that. God loves you. Don't let me be lost for eternity. Oh, above. Cindy, come here with me. Oh, else I must be saved. Give your testimony. You know I don't usually preach this song. If you got to go, may the Lord be with you. But I know what I feel. God's pulling on somebody's heart. Cindy. I was raised in the church all my life. I was at every event in the church, every service, every choir, every church cleaning. We were always there. And I always knew God was real. I was privileged to be raised around it. But I don't think I'd ever needed God to be real for me. Life had been pretty good for me. And so I began to get a little confused. My later years of high school, some things around me, some hypocrisy, some things that went on with friends I knew. And the confusion grew. I moved away to college. And I went to the only church that was in walking distance, and it wasn't a church like I'd been raised. And I grew even colder on God. I thought, well, it's the only place I can go. But then after a while, I just kind of got desensitized and used to my surroundings. And um, I, I really just hadn't, I didn't have this need for God, I guess. I knew he was real, but I, I don't think I felt like I needed him, really. He just kind of became something that I knew about and I felt like I loved him but he wasn't really real to me because I don't think I really needed him up till then and right before my junior year of college I was in a car accident I was certainly not walking in the right direction at the time so I'm so thankful for God's mercy um, because I do believe it depends on what direction you're going and and I wasn't going in the right direction and I was in a car accident and I was 20 years old uh, there were several friends of us going on a road trip. The car that I was in 
uh, the one driver and lost his left leg, I was ejected to the back of the car and um, my, my right leg was nearly severed at the scene of the accident. They, they airlifted me to Wake Forest University trauma unit there and um, their main concern, I'd lost a lot of blood so they thought I was gonna die from that. But after several transfusions and, and surgeries and whatever, my parents made their way down there to the school hospital and um, they told my parents, well, she were, she's gonna make it but she's gonna lose her right leg and it looks like that she's not gonna be able to keep it. And so they kept praying and, and you know, I really wasn't even able to pray for myself that much at that point. I was pretty out of it and they kept praying several surgeries. And then after a series of surgeries, my, the doctor met with us and, uh, and my parents and said, well, we're able to save her leg, but she'll never have proper use of it again because her nerves are completely severed, so she'll drag it behind her. Uh, and so they actually thought a prosthetic limb, you know, they were trying to make that sound like a, they thought that might be what I was going to have to do. So they're like, that's really great because with, with that, eventually, you know, she'll be able to run on her own and walk without assistance. But with her own legs, she'll kind of, you know, the arm crutches and kind of drag it behind her forever. And my parents said, if you can save her leg, that's, that's what we want. You know, she's so young and, and we'll just talk about the other stuff later. And so that's what they were able to do. And I was in the hospital for quite a while, and after I got to go home, I was bedridden in a hospital bed, and my legs were in traction. Both my legs were broken, and my ankles and my feet, but my right leg was in traction because it couldn't lay because of the open nerves and the flesh because there was no skin on my right leg under my knee. And so I was in a lot of pain, a lot of drug withdrawals from all the medicine I'd been on. That was a rough time, but it was really at this time in my life that I needed God. And I think really for, I knew God was real. I'd had an experience with him as a young girl, but I hadn't made him personal with me, you know. And at this time, I needed him. All my friends moved back away to college. They were gone. My sister was gone. People had to go back to work around me. I would lay in the hospital bed by myself. And for months, I would lay there, and it was just me, you know. People would come in and check on me, whoever was there with me, nurses or whatever. But I was a lot of alone time, and scriptures began to come back to me. I'll never leave you or forsake you, even to the very end. I wasn't worthy of God's grace. I had really walked away from him. I would walked away from my calling. I knew I was called to ministry, but... I had walked away from all that. I made bad decisions. But his grace is so awesome. And I remember at that moment in my life just praying, God, I'll, I, I had gotten critical and maybe even judgmental of, of church people because I tried to justify the way I wanted to live at that point. And I would think, why is it necessary? Why do they have to be so exuberant in their worship? Why do they have to run? Why do they have? Seems kind of foolish. And I, I, can't, I never really said that out loud because I knew better and I didn't want to make fun. But it, it was going on in my head. I remember thinking, is that really necessary? Is this just emotional? I didn't. I remember questioning all those things before my accident. But I made a commitment with God. And I mean, I was pretty emotional about other things and rowdy about things and, and, and football games and basketball games. I liked sports and I was rowdy. I was a emotional, row, rowdy fan. And um, I remember thinking, laying there, because everyone was gone, thinking, wow, those people have never done anything for me. 
but I get so excited and I'll jump up and down and the crowds around me throwing people. I mean, it was pretty radical, the, the praise they were given to something that didn't even matter. And when I was at my lowest point, those people couldn't do anything for me. The only thing that could touch me, the only person that could help me was Jesus. And I needed him at that point to be real to me. And I remember praying, God, if you'll heal me, if you'll heal me and I can walk again, I promise I will never give more glory and more worship to that stuff that has never done anything for me. I will never come into your service and not worship in a way that you've allowed me to do. And I do, I try every service to do something. And he's so worthy. And he healed me. It's been 21 years ago. And the doctors to this day, I, I have no feeling in my right leg from my knee down, no feeling at all, not on my foot. And without feeling, you can't plant your foot. You can't walk. That's why they said I would drag it forever. And you lift, and you dorsiflex and plantar flex, all that, and you lift, and your heel comes down first. But with my right side, after a lot of prayer, it wasn't after therapy. I had therapy, but they, all the occupational and physical therapy people we have in here, I know we have a lot, they can take Therapy doesn't bring it back. The nerve's gone. It's my paranoid nerve. It's, the nerve is completely severed. I still have no feeling. The only feeling I have is a little bit on the bottom of my foot. And the doctor said that's an absolute medical miracle. They cannot explain it because it's like, you know, cutting the cord to a light, but the light's still burning. There's no nerve feeding it. And I have just enough, not anywhere else, because that's the only place I have to have it, to plant my foot. So with my right side, I live for my hip, and I can plant my foot. So now you know. Now you would be able to tell more when I walk. <laughs> but when I walk, it was, now that was therapy, disguising that. <laughs> but when I walk, I, you know, my heel comes down. But this side, I live with my hip, because I don't have feeling in my leg. I don't have feeling on the top of my foot. And the doctors can't explain it. But I know that was the moment I needed God in a personal way, in a real way and he didn't leave me the way I had forsaken him he didn't do that he was right there where I left him and he healed me but I know that it wasn't the physical healing that was the most miraculous it was my spiritual healing that he gave me because he became real to me at that time in my life I'm so thankful for his mercy. I'm thankful for my healing, but I'm thankful for the God of a second chance that will take you back to even, he even allows you to go back to what he called you to do to begin with. He even still has those things. He's so great. Amen. He's so great. Like with Sister Teresa, I remember that so vividly. He was so so merciful he allowed her to repent and make things right and he was so gracious to know she wasn't strong enough to do it on her own he allowed her to go on to have and he's just he meets our every need according to what we need each individually and I'm just I'm so thankful God's good dismissed in the love and fear of God and if you have some children that aren't living for the Lord I want you to stretch both hands to the Lord right now because he's not a respecter of persons my wife's going to pray for you there is miracle healings right now go ahead Cindy I want you to pray for these families 
Lord, I pray for every child that's represented here today by these parents, God. I pray for everyone that's lost their way, whether it's from hurt or confusion or just the the cares of this life, Lord. You know what the reason was, Lord, but I'm praying for every one of their hearts to be turned back to you, God. We're asking you to show them mercy and grace the way you showed me mercy and grace. I'm asking for every parent that's in here now, God, that you give them strength in this battle that they're fighting, God. Give them endurance with their prayer. Give them faithfulness because I know some things only come by prayer and fasting. I pray, God, you would strengthen them as they still continue to call out their children's name every day and they continue to come to church and believe and rejoice for what you're going to do, Lord. We thank you for it. I pray a prayer of protection over these children, God, that you would keep them protected protected, Lord, until they do come to you, Lord. You would put an angel with them, Lord, and their hearts would begin to stir. And Lord, that they'd not only be stirred, but they'd be changed, God. And that they would come back to your mercy and your grace. That's so real, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy, Lord. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for the children that are going to come back. I'm believing for every backslidden child. I thank you, God, that you're going to bring him back to the house of God and you're going to give him that opportunity for another chance, just like you did for me. I'm so thankful for another chance, God. And I'm thankful for these children that are going to come back in Jesus' name. Amen. Or above all else, you can pray as long as you feel to. If you need to go, God bless you. God bless you.